my husband Bo and I live in Chicago, and we've been there about the last two and a half years so that we could both go to seminary. And I graduated this past spring, and for my final paper, I wrote about God's work in women throughout church history. And as I was writing and researching this long paper, an integral part to the global movement and spread of Christianity and the life of the church from its very beginning in the book of Acts. We have the accounts of several women from the first five centuries of the church who were some of the earliest martyrs. Their steadfast devotion to Christ ultimately led them to pay the ultimate price with their, for them to participate in the life of the formal church. They still found ways to lend their voices and their gifts and their hearty participation to the cause of Christ. Though they were largely second-class citizens in those chapters of the church's history, they were compelled by a story so much bigger than themselves. And so they used everything at their disposal to witness to the gospel. And of course, these women bring to mind my own spiritual mothers and grandmothers and sisters. And I'm sure you have your own throughout your life who are coming to mind even now, women who have witnessed to you of who Christ is. All of these women throughout scripture and the church's history are connected by this single thread. Each of them is a fulfillment of the promise that Jesus makes to his disciples in Acts, a promise about what would happen when the Holy Spirit came. Now this morning, as a part of the series that you've been in on the book of Acts, my dad and I are gonna look at a particular theme, and he already gave it away, but if you hadn't guessed it, it's the, book, it's the theme of women in the book of Acts. What we know and what you've learned thus far about the book of Acts is that it's sort of ground zero for the birth of the early church. It's the very beginning, it's the genesis. It's a brand new chapter in redemption history in which the people of God receive the power and the presence of God in a brand new way. So when we're looking at the theme of women in the book of Acts, what we're really talking about is how women were a part of the story from the beginning. They were included in the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They were commissioned to take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's impossible to overstate the importance of this inclusion. It was revolutionary at the time and it is revolutionary to this day. Now, if you have your Bibles or your phone or whatever you use to look up scripture and you want to follow along, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter one. We're going to begin with Jesus' promise to the apostles in verse 8. So as you're, you're getting there, let me just set up the context a little bit. We know at this point in the story that the resurrected Jesus has been with his disciples for the last 40 days. And just before he ascends to heaven, he tells the disciples, he gives them kind of a cryptic instruction. Go back to Jerusalem and just wait there until the Holy Spirit comes and you'll, you'll receive power. So Acts 1 verse 8 reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now almost immediately we learn that this promise from Jesus to this small group of men was not, was not just for them because 
almost immediately, if you skip down just a little bit to verses 12 through 14, the author Luke tells us that they go back to Jerusalem and they go to the upper room and there they're joined by even more disciples. You can see the circle is already starting to expand. This news is for more and more people. Look down at verse 14, which describes some of the company who were there and what they were doing. Verse 14, Acts 1, verse 14 reads, Now all of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, presumably for the coming of the Holy Spirit, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the brothers. Now moving once more to Acts chapter 2, we arrive at the day of Pentecost, where this gathered group of men and women received the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised. In chapter 2, um, starting at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And skipping down to verse 4, it reads, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is a huge deal. The gift of the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost is like the culmination of Jesus' whole life, his death, his resurrection. This gift was the thing foretold by the prophets and longed for. Like this was, the, this was the chapter in the church's history where the presence of God would dwell in them. They wouldn't need tabernacles. They wouldn't need temples. God would live in them. This was the moment that served as the, the chief evidence that the kingdom of God had been inaugurated. Something brand new in the life of the church just happened. And why was the Spirit given? Well, the theologian John Stott sums it up in a couple, of, a couple of helpful reasons. The first is that the Spirit's given to apply to us, Christians, uh, the salvation achieved in Christ. So the Spirit makes real to us in our lives what Christ has accomplished for us. And the second thing that the Spirit does is that the Spirit compels us to go proclaim that news to the world. As John Stott says, salvation is given to be shared. Now, what does this have to do with women? Well, remember Jesus' promise that the Holy Spirit would bring the power to witness to him. And as we've just read in Acts 1 and 2, that the Spirit has come to both men and women, and the result is a new kingdom family made up of brothers and sisters who partner together to spread the gospel to the whole world. Now, who are the women we are given as examples in the book of Acts? Well, frankly, as you may have noticed in your own reading, it's a really short list. We have the disciple Dorcas in Acts chapter 9, we learn about the woman who Peter raises from the dead. We know she's beloved by her community, that she's made coats and jackets for the needy. Scripture says that she was full of good works and acts of charity. There's Lydia in Acts chapter 16. She's the wealthy businesswoman who hears the teaching of Paul, is moved in her heart by the Lord, and is baptized. And we know she becomes the first European convert. And then there's Priscilla, who we meet in Acts chapter 18, alongside her husband Aquila. 
And she's described later on in Acts chapter 18 as someone who's mature in her faith. She pulls another believer aside and helps instruct him further. Now, significantly, Priscilla comes up again, but not in Acts, later in the book of Romans, where Paul references her in Romans 16. And he, there he says that um, she's a fellow worker in Christ Jesus, who not only him, but all the churches, all the Gentile churches give thanks for. So we know Priscilla was working alongside Paul. She was important in the life of these early churches. Now, significantly, in that same place in Romans 16, where, where Paul brings up Priscilla, he also commends a whole host of other women. He honors Phoebe, calls her a servant of the church, worthy of the reception of a saint. She's the woman who delivered Paul's letter to the Romans to the Romans. He thanks Mary and Junia and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis and Rufus's mother, who was like a mother to him, and Julia and two other women. Now, I say this to indicate that the point of understanding the radical inclusion of women in the kingdom of God, it's not about the individual women that we have in Acts alone. They're not the main point of the story. Rather, they are simply evidence that what began in Jesus is being carried forth in the life of the early church. And we see this start in Acts, and we see it continuing into the New Testament in the women, like in the women I just listed in Romans 16. You see, Jesus had modeled for them a brand new way of engaging with women. And it's not an overstatement to say that the world has never been the same since. Certainly the women among us who have encountered Jesus would say that nothing has ever been the same since. The author Dorothy Sayers says this, perhaps it is no wonder that women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. They had never known a man like this man. There never has been such another. She goes on to describe Jesus as a prophet and a teacher that never nagged, flattered, coaxed, or patronized. He took women's questions and arguments seriously. He accepted them as disciples. He let them learn at his feet, which was not something that rabbis in the first century did. Jesus met women with empathy and compassion. And in a society that considered them less than human, Jesus dignified women as fellow human beings. So what does this mean for us today? I want to first give a word of encouragement or exhortation to the women in this room in particular. Sisters in Christ, I hope that you'll hear me. We need you in the church. We need you in the church. You're not just nice to have around. You're not just a pleasant addition when you happen to be there, but it's okay if you're not. The book of Acts teaches us that you are necessary partners in the work of the gospel. Without you bringing your full self to the church and every gift that the Holy Spirit has given you, we suffer as a body. You see, there's, there's never been a Christian from the time that the church was born who's not been given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit to use for the building up of the church. 
If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift, and it's not just for you. It's meant to be employed. We need you to teach and to exhort and to lead and to serve and to advocate for the poor and the needy among us. And the list goes on and on. The opportunities are endless. Further, not only does the body suffer from your lack of participation, we also fail to image something really important about the kingdom of God on earth to a world that's watching. In the upside-down kingdom of God, men and women are turned into brothers and sisters, and everybody has a role to play. Nobody sits out. There's no time to waste, and your invitation from Christ himself has already been given. You have nothing to prove and no approval that you need to gain. Despite what the world may tell you, despite even what the church may have told you at some point, or even the lies that you tell yourself, Christ has already commissioned you. You don't have to be somebody other than who you are. You don't have to have different life experiences. You don't need to be smarter, more well-educated, have more courage, or anything else. If you have called upon the name of Jesus, then you have everything you need because you have the Holy Spirit who is the one that is mighty in you. All you have to do is be willing. All you have to do is just keep putting your yes on the table. And let me just conclude with this. I know that the sermon series you've been working through is called Radical. Well, church, Yielding the whole of your ordinary life, like giving it all over to Christ, is the most radical thing you can do. The book of Acts tells us that these men and women were nothing special. And isn't that the best news for us this morning? We don't have to be anybody special. They were just ordinary people who loved Jesus and who were committed to following him and his way of being in the world. If we do this, men and women, if we give every last bit of ourselves and our lives, we hold nothing back. We put them all into the hands of God and we ask him to use it, to use us. Well, the story of scripture and the story of the church through the ages tells us that that's enough to change the world. I'm gonna close us in prayer and then my dad's gonna come up and finish us out this morning you would join me in bowing your heads. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your gracious invitation for those of us that love and know you to join in your good work in the world. And for those of us in this room who may not know you yet, that the invitation extends to them as well. Lord, you want everyone to come and join in what you are doing in the world to, to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. Lord, may we be a people who are willing to give it all over and to hold nothing back. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Daniel was sharing, uh, I was definitely getting choked up, and I think it's obvious why. IU did beat Penn State yesterday, am I right? Yeah, big, big win, big win. <laughs> Danielle's thinking, after all I've done, 
Thank you so much for ruining that, Dad. So uh, Leslie Fields says this. I love this. Remembering is a crucial activity for all of us. We will not know who we are without remembering your story matters. Brene Brown said that owning your story is the bravest thing you will ever do. Everybody in this room, everyone has a story. And I'm not going to go on and on about my story, but I thought a lot about growing up and my story. And my story is very similar with a lot of folks. I guarantee a lot of folks in this room uh, got a, just one picture to kind of give you an idea. This is uh, growing up. Some of you remember the days of the old church directory. Do you remember those? Those are grand days. So anyway, this is an old church directory picture we're going to bring up. Yeah, look at that guy. Yeah. One word, polyester. So anyway, I remember uh, that picture because those are the two women uh, from the age of four who raised me. That's my mom and my sister. And uh, what Daniel shared is exactly what I experienced is uh, they were sold out to Jesus Christ. And I didn't realize just how radical that was until I hit about that age. At that time, I was uh, just starting in Bible college. I had my whole life ahead of me. Wasn't really reflecting back. And as I got older... I realize how important those relationships are. Now, here's the thing that Danielle shared that is so true. I want you to think right now about the significant women in your life. Think about the folks that have made a huge impact. Uh, think about your moms, grandparents, aunts, friends. Think about the women who have demonstrated Jesus Christ no matter what. They just showed you day in and day out. So I'll tell you what. Can we just say a big thank you to all the women that are here, even though it's not Mother's Day? Can we do that? Just thank you. Just thank you for everything you've done. Folks, that is so significant. And Danielle and I, as we were talking, we were just sharing about what we really wanted more than anything to share. And really more than anything is just to celebrate that we all have a place at the table. Isn't that great? In God's kingdom, we all have a place at the table that Jesus Christ died for the whole church. Don't you love Galatians 3.28 that says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither free man. There is neither male or female. You are all one in Christ. Christ set us free. Everybody here, he set us free. I'm going to share a phrase with you that honestly I've never liked because there's a connotation that usually goes with it, and there's always this question. Uh, and it, it's all about the word role. So if you ever look at the word role, and I'm not talking about Thanksgiving role, okay? I'm talking about R-O-L-E, role. It is a character assigned or assumed. It's a socially expected, I hate that, it's a socially expected behavior a pattern usually determined by individuals or status in a particular society. So here's the question. I can tell you how many times I've been asked this over the years. You can guess what it is. So, John, what is the woman's what? Role in the church. Are you kidding me? I mean, do you really think the women who approached the tomb and the resurrection of Jesus were worried about Jesus? What is my role in the church? No. Why? Because we're all in this together. I mean, just look around the room. We're in this together. God has uniquely gifted every human being that is here. I love worship. 
Uh, one of the things I love when I look up on stage Sunday after Sunday are two things. You'll see a mixture of both men and women, and guess what? All ages. I absolutely love that. All ages, we are in it together. So a few years ago, around Christmas, <clears throat> I had stockpiled some money, several thousand dollars, actually. I, it really wasn't even several hundred, to be honest. But anyway, I, I shared with our kids, each one, I said, hey, I would just love this year to have a really cool father-child experience. And uh, you can do whatever you want. I gave them, like, uh, here's what it's, the credit. Here's how much dad's going to pitch in, which was like, I think, $37. But anyway, what is it? Go crazy, kids. You know, get, get two Hardy's hamburgers. I mean, Matt, knock yourself out. But uh, I, I sat down, and I was so proud of uh, the girls uh, because they said, so that we can do anything. You know, there's a stretch of time in the summer we're all going to be in Chicago together. And I said, yeah. So I'm thinking... Uh, maybe a, a beautiful cruise, you know, on the river there, a candlelight dinner with your daughters. And uh, they said, we want to do the Warrior Dash, uh, Dad. And so here's a picture of yeah, good times there. I uh, thought I was going to die. But, um, but here's why that was a priceless day for me. I really did pretty good. It's because we did it together. It wasn't the old man sitting at the finish line, which I wouldn't do that anyway. That's, I'm not that guy. I'm not, yeah, you're just well done. No, I, that's not a well done. That would be, let's, let's get in there together. Let's get muddy together. Let's laugh together. Let's, let's, let's just have the day of our lives together. That's what the church is all about. It's about uh, coming together doing it together. And that's what's priceless about the church. Sean Green sent me this. I wanted to share it with you. Uh, and I don't know who wrote it, but I got to tell you, I absolutely love it. Jesus protected women. He empowered women. He honored women publicly. He released the voice of women. He confided in women. He was funded by women. He celebrated women by name. He learned from women. He respected women. And he spoke of women as excellent examples to follow. Our turn. It's all about Jesus. It's all about doing things the way Jesus did it. And isn't that an awesome thought that here we are together and we have a story. All of us have a story. And it's a story of a place. It's a beautiful place. And it has a beautiful table. And we all have a seat at that table because of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are here today, both men and women, boys and girls, to honor and to just praise you for your love. And um, I so agree with my daughter. That is radical. And so, Lord, help us leave this place and uh, to do everything that we can to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and do it together. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.